swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Zach pooping already? I think so. Anyway, today's Tuesday trends. We're going to be talking long-term trends, big ones, second half type of stuff, bounce backs, breakouts, best bets, other B words. You know, we got Patrick Kane, David Pasternak on the docket. Big game from Pasta and the, and the Bruins tonight. I, don't, I almost want to take them off here. But uh, other guys like Barry, Fiala, you know, that we're going to get to as the episode progresses. But we do have some injuries. Every episode, we got some injuries and some big ones, too. Always some fucking big ones. Uh, what do you got for us there, Zach? Uh, so I'm going to start in Detroit. I'm going to go with Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin. Both got hurt in the same game. Bertuzzi mispracticed today and is down to dance. He's questionable for tomorrow against the Sharks. He actually took a skate blade to the freaking wrist um, at the beginning of OT, but Blashill did make it seem like he would be just fine. So I, I do expect him to, you know, if not play tomorrow, I would think he'll play on what then Friday. Dylan Larkin, however, a little bigger deal than Bertuzzi, uh, to say the least. He did leave in the first period in that same game with an upper body injury. Uh, no updates, however, on Larkin as of now. But one thing I wouldn't say the Red Wings have on their side is depth. Pia Suter, I like him at all, but he's no first-line center of the league. That's for sure. Derek Forbert is on the COVID-19 list. No! I wanted to say that just to let Raj know. <laughs> <laughs> Radim Simic, he didn't play in San Jose's last game. He's not a big fantasy monster, but he is decent for periffs and uh, a good actual real-life defenseman, uh, which hurts the Sharks with their three lines on defense. Antiranta is not traveling with the team for tomorrow's game, which means Alex Lyon will back up um, Freddie Anderson. Alex Lyon, who is best friends with Daniel Tiger um, and also got the start against uh, the really good Panthers team last game. Now, he did lose that game. Dude, you, you, I mean, you kind of threw him to the Wolves or threw him to the Panthers as is. I don't foresee Lyon getting another start this week. But if he does, I mean, I would be interested. They don't have the hardest schedule in the world. If he were going to start, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I like Alex Lyon. I'm upset that Raj didn't catch on to that Daniel Tiger thing. But I thought that was a pretty good pun. Yeah. I, I can't believe we're dancing around the big one here. Landis Cog positive like is that is that your grand finale the crescendo of the injury report here is uh landis Gaga is like he posted two positives will be out for five days and burkowski's on the top line and confers on the top power play what's the read on that one that's a that's a big one that definitely is a big one uh one i would be happy about being a burkowski owner and i would think that you might see his ownership going up it's already at 72 percent but i mean that might be just a good go check as he's available in almost 30 percent of leagues i don't think you have to worry about colorado scoring even without one of the big guns missing there's a certain amount of people that are actually pretty relevant right now like comfort at 13 percent getting top power play that one looks pretty sweet i think um i don't know obviously burakovsky is the guy to own but comfort is the guy to stream mm-hmm. i mean he's he's the one that's that's getting that uh that first power play unit nod, which you kind of wish it was Barakowski, but it is what it is. Uh, Charlie McAvoy came back tonight. Charlie McAvoy did come back tonight. Man, that was a that was something. I was really hoping uh, Fukali might do a little better. Quite the opposite. Vanacek didn't look any better. Yeah, he didn't. They both got shelled. Some other COVID guys. You got Landis Gog, like we talked about. Ehlers, Chikrin's in there. Braden Shen's back on the shelf with COVID. Alec Martinez. So, you know, check your lineups. Check the promotions. Storylines. Uh, there's a dynasty implication here. Lucas Alvarez 
is on waivers for termination. I thought it was weird at first. I thought it was really weird because he was a pretty solid Vegas prospect as much as like a year ago. Obviously his, maybe not obviously, but if you look into it, his stock has gone down a little bit. But I guess him and McCrimmon were talking and there's an opening for him out in Sweden. So they're, I, I don't fully understand it, but I was talking to TCAT here in the Bang Daddy channel and it seems pretty mutual that they're just going to let him go. So I don't know if they're releasing him, but, you know, waivers for termination, that sounds like, you know, all ties are severed here and he's just going back to Sweden just to play. So Lucas Alvarez was one of my favorite uh, trade ships and I'm <laughs> I'm really happy that I was able to move him in a couple that of That you traded him? <laughs> yeah. All right. The big storyline that's coming into this week is Evander Kane. Now, the NHLPA is still filing their grievance. We don't know what happens there. But if they win, San Jose has to pay Evander Kane the rest of his contract, almost the same as a buyout. I think it's exactly the same as a buyout if the NHLPA wins. I don't fully understand this one. So, you know, we had a chat in the Discord about this because, again, I don't know what's going on here. I think it was FH89 that knew more about it. So if you know more about this, let me know. But what I am hearing is that Gord Miller says that he could sign with another team as soon as this week. Now is the time to pick up Vander Kane. I mean, we got to be in agreement here. Feels impending. For sure. It seems like he's going to play somewhere. Elliot Friedman uh, did a big thing on it today. You guys aren't on a first name basis yet? Uh, you know, me and Friege, me and uh, fucking Friege and Merrick. Uh, no, but he was saying that, like, in theory, he is a free agent as of now, but... If the NHLPA wins, he could be signed by a new team. And then if San Jose wins, they are responsible for him again. And apparently the same thing happened in the offseason with another player. But they said he was basically a $700,000 player, so nobody really gave a shit. I don't think Kane will get signed in the next day or two, but someone's going to pick him up. I'm 100% sure uh, he's going to lose. The stuff he did is pretty indisputable. I mean, faking COVID tests and shit like that twice. Yeah, uh, it's a laundry list. <laughs> yeah, I don't see how a he's dirty laundry list. Yeah. But it's a lot of dough, so they're going to be fighting it, and his creditors are going to be doing everything they can to make sure he gets his money so he can pay his bills and shit. But I think he's going to lose. So let's get into it. I mean, there's a lot of big teams that are rumored to be in on this guy. Now, you know, we saw what happened with Tony D'Angelo, which much to my chagrin, no bullshit came out of that. Like he's playing, he's just playing hockey, right? Like you're, you're in Carolina, Zach. There's, as far as I'm aware, there's no news about him being a douchebag. So just keep on scoring points. Maybe Evander Kane can do that. He's even had Jordan Stahl, you know, come to his defense when he was asked questions about him saying that he's actually been like a model teammate. That's good. He's just laying low and you, I mean, you got to hope that, you know, maybe he turned a page and he's just interested in, you know, playing hockey now instead of being a douchebag. Watching uh, Rod the Bod walk around with his 60 pound weight vest around all day and, and seeing him, I don't think he'd be lip yeah. lipping up too much around that team. Rod the Bod bench presses Mark Bergevin <laughs> in his spare time. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's a good fit. Carolina's on that list of rumored teams that uh, is interested. I think Tampa's in there. You were saying the Lawson Kraus is a name that's rumored around Tampa. That this is going to be an exciting trade deadline, and we're almost there. I think we're what twenty five games away. I only know that because Claude Giroux's on the trade list, and uh, he needs twenty five games to get to his thousandth game as a Flyer, and the twenty fourth game is the trade deadline. So, like, if he gets oh. traded, which he is rumored to, like. It, it, and it's nothing more than that. Like, I'm right here in Philly. If he gets traded before the trade deadline, he will have played 999 games as a flyer. That would so, be pretty crazy. That would be upsetting, it's, actually. It's ultimately up to Giroux whether or not he wants to go anywhere. Obviously, you want to chase a cup and everything like that. But I don't know. Let's get back to Evander Kane here. I, I picked him up in five leagues today. So I'm all on board. A lot of these leagues... You know, I have this week to spare or my team is shit. So it doesn't matter if I lose another week, depending on the league or whatever. But where are you guys at with Evander Kane? Like, would you be picking him up if he was actually available and I didn't scoop him up off of every available listener league that today, what would you be doing? <laughs> what would you be trading me for Evander Kane? I wouldn't trade you shit for Evander Kane. Um, if he was available, I would think about picking him up. But every league that I'm in, you're in. 
So, <laughs> yeah. but no, I'm not interested in trading you for Evander Kane by any means. I'll trade you by Jake Allen. Speaking of which, what the fuck's going on with Carey Price? I have not heard jack shit. There was an update, actually, that said he might start practicing, but he's waiting for some tests to come back, which I don't understand what that means. So it's a very unhelpful bit of information for you there. He's on, he's on the way back. But, like, what's the point? You know, like, I, I don't think Carey Price is going to get them into the playoffs or anything like that. So We're getting off track on Evander Kane. Bottom line, it's the time to pick him up. That's my say. Raj, what do you think? Agreed 100%, but I'm in the same boat with Zach where you have already done so in the majority of the leagues. Everybody knows how valuable just streamer spots, injury spots, all spots are super valuable right now. Especially right now. Especially right now. In a normal situation, I'd say fucking grab them right away. But I mean, if you only have one or two extra spots, maybe think twice about it. But generally speaking, I think you made a wise move there, man. It's like Flyers Canes got postponed tomorrow. So just some more bullshit that's coming out. Lame. Lame. I mean, Philly is ravaged by COVID right now. Okay, so I saw some guys in the Discord talking about like dropping Ehlers for Evander Kane and dropping... It was one guy in particular. And maybe it's a shallow league where those are like the best players that you have to drop or the worst players, rather. I, I just don't know how that raises your ceiling. If, if you're dropping somebody that's a for sure player for what as of right now are just speculative tweets so you know what's he talking about he's talking about dropping bennett i could i could see that if it does work and you're comfortable who are the other guys Teravinen, no healers yeah or patcheretti like we don't know no. what's going on with patcheretti but you just you can't not the way he's been playing i'm not down for any of that I'm down to I'm dra- I'm down to drop you know Garnet Hathaway. What is the highest level of player that you'll drop for Evander Kane at this point? Elias Pettersson was brought up in the Ed Drop channel. Pettersson or the question mark that is Evander Kane right now? No way. Are you just trying to get a rise out of us? Like I know that Elias Pettersson is not playing great hockey this year, but to think that you would drop him for a player that hasn't played in how long? Well, he's killing it in the AHL right now. Yeah, but he's not in the NHL right now. Put Elias Pettersson in the AHL right now, right? He'd be killing it too. I'm a little bit safe when it comes to stuff like that. All right, how about uh, Bertuzzi? Yeah, I would drop him. Yeah? No, if that's the bottom of your roster, I guess so. But like, is that really the bottom of your roster when all of this other stuff is going on? You know what I mean? Like the bottom of my roster is like what, like Corey Perry and and Ryan Hartman and stuff like that. Those are the people that I would be streaming out. I mean, I would be using a streamer spot to put him in and possibly finding somebody else. I'm not dropping like a mid level guy that you know. I'm, I'm dropping the bottom of my roster. If Bertuzzi is you know your worst player, then good for you. I had to think about Adrian Kempe. That's about the level probably where I'd put the threshold is like an Adrian Kempe, wherever he's ranked in your leagues. Like this was a pretty standard points league, but I had to think about whether or not I would rather have Kempe and I dropped him for Evander Kane. So that's like, for me, that's the threshold right there. Yeah. It's also going to be a couple weeks at the best before he gets into a game. So I have a feeling by, you know, you're, you're risking it for a couple weeks. I know you got to You got to believe in him more than I do, I think, in order to get him. All right. uh, The last little bit of news that I have here is about Jack Eichel. Apparently he's going to hit the ice this week, but he is not due to start skating. And obviously, there's a lot that needs to go into it. Like, Vegas needs to figure out their cap. With patches on long-term IR, they still need to move about three-ish million in order to get Jack Eichel into the lineup. It still could be as much as, you know, a month away from now. So don't get too excited. He is going to hit the ice. The wording was weird. He's not going to be playing games, but he is going to be hitting the ice. So that's not bad. Let's get into uh, the Tuesday trends portion where we're going to be talking big picture Bounce back breakouts leading right off with Patrick Kane. I did some digging and it is pretty cut and dried for me. Um, You know, last year he posted his fourth best season at age 32. Kane is disappointing pretty much anybody that drafted him inside the first round. And 
it's almost greedy to say that I think because he is putting up like almost an 80 point pace and he's shooting a ton, but he's just not getting a ton of luck in the shooting percentage department. And you look at how Chicago's doing as a whole and it starts to make a lot of sense. The the on ice goals for for Patrick Kane dropped 20% and guess how much Patrick Kane's assists per 60 dropped 20%. 20%. 20%. The, the Hawks just aren't scoring as much this year. They're third from the bottom of the league in goals for while they were middle of the pack last year. So they, I mean, take a guess how much less they're scoring this year than they were last year. 20%? 22%. Yeah, 22. And Kane's point pace is down 19%. So he's, he's actually winning an uphill battle here. He's not, like he's doing better than the rest of his team is he's fighting inflation or deflation or whatever you want to call it for this team. You know, he's scoring more relative to the goals for per game decrease. If Chicago starts scoring a half goal per game more, then I think you're going to see that 95 point pace come back. You're going to start to see Kane hitting those totals that we're trying to see. Until then, he's going to be flirting with this point per game pace. And I think that's kind of what we need to accept. Chicago's just not that offensive powerhouse that they were. And you can't put this on Patrick Kane because he's actually outperforming the regression of the team as a whole. So I don't know if if Patrick Kane is a sell to you guys, but uh, who do you guys got next? Who's next on the bounce back or regression? Oh, I guess I should bottom line Patrick Kane, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's um, It largely, entirely rests on how Chicago does as a whole. So if, if you're confident that Chicago is going to start scoring a half goal per game more, then you can probably trade for Patrick Kane and, you know, feel like you're going to get that 95 plus point pace back. But, you know, Chicago just doesn't seem that interested in finding another gear at this point. So for me, I'm right there, plus or minus five points over or under point per game and plus point per game would be tough. So I'm taking the under on point per game, the over on 75 points, right in that sweet spot, 78 point pace. Yeah, I think he's going to do a little better. He, I mean, he hasn't scored a goal uh, since early December. Yeah, dig his shooting percentage. It's 6.2. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he's going to do better than he has been. I don't know if he's going to be anywhere near last year's, uh, you know, career type year, but I think he's going to do better than his start. I think he will improve a bit and probably here on out, maybe I'd say point per game is is, is probable. Well, yeah, his his pace right now is 79 points. He put up a 97-point pace last year with a 7.9 shooting percentage. This year, it's 6.2. You go look at his stats, and you're like, oh, that's why he's not doing well this year. He's only got a 6.2 shooting percentage. It's not so much that. Like, he only had 15 goals last year in 56 games. He had 51 assists in 56 games. He almost went and assist a game. Yeah. That's what was carrying his point totals and this year there's just not as much assists to go around because the team as a whole is scoring 20 percent less yeah i think he's gonna do better and i mean you see guys like uh like kubalik what the hell does he even play hockey anymore barely so you know you need guys like that to be putting the puck in the net every now and then for him and i drop him for vander kane absolutely he's on the wire in a lot of our leagues i'd vote yes on buying low on kane though if people are really really sad after seeing how good he did last year and are looking to dump him i'd i'd pick him up valuing him 75 80 points kind of thing yeah that's what i mean it's just you know be realistic about it i think if you're going to trade for him and you're going to call it buying low in your head you should just be prepared for an 80 point guy and it's still good it's still serviceable and maybe you didn't drop that first round pick on him and maybe you can you know pawn off somebody that's having a hell of a year, like an Evan Rodriguez. That's probably not going to, it's definitely not going to work. But, you know, just find one of those guys that's overperforming and maybe start pitching him at the the Patrick Kane. And then, you know, in a certain type of way, you've quote unquote moved up somewhere that someone that's a little bit more reliable, like a Troy Terry. I don't even fucking know how he's doing anymore. The upside of Patrick Kane is the best in the world, essentially. So I don't think he's going to go down. I don't think he's going to get worse. Troy Terry's still killing it. He's got six points in his last four games. I hate that. I hate that 80 so point much. pace. Yeah. Trade Troy Terry for Patrick Kane <laughs> if you can, please. 24.7 shooting percentage. I mean, these are obviously really outlandish offers, but Raj, who do you got first on your docket, man? You want to talk Drake Batherson? I bet you do. Sure. Of course he does. I think we all love Batherson as a whole. I don't know if I'm ready to love yet. But... He's uh... it's Drake Batherson. I'm in. 
He's been pretty gangbusters this year so far. Fucking gangster. 74% owned, so he's even available, actually. I think he's for real. He um, He's way outperforming what Yahoo thought. He was ranked 169 by Yahoo preseason. Um, in our uh, points league, he's 90th overall right now. And in our cats leagues, he's 82nd overall. Uh, but that's largely due to Ottawa doesn't play hockey that often right now. So he's on a 96-point pace uh, over an 82-game season, which he won't get because he has missed some games. But he's excellent, man. 28 points in 24 games, 55 hits. Um, you know, he's cemented on the power play. He's kind of the one of the keystones of the team, so I don't think you really have to worry about him losing deployment if he dips at all. Like He's not one of those guys. But at the same time, I don't know if 96-point pace is sustainable for him. I'd picture him maybe more... It's wild. It's wild to think about. Yeah. I think he's more down about a 75- to 80-point pace guy, but if he has a few games where he doesn't score, he hits like a motherfucker too, so... You're never getting nothing. No, you're never getting nothing, and it's not the type of team. Like, they they don't expect to win, so it's not like he's going to get bummed out from losing or any of that kind of nonsense. So I I like him rest of the season. Again, I don't think it's going to be at this pace, at a 96-point pace, but I think he's going to come down a little bit and still be a great player all year long, and I'd say all career long uh, to be a little bold, but I'm in. Uh Huge improvement as an all-round hockey player. Nobody loves talking about plus-minus, but when you've gone from a minus 17 to a plus 3, the coach is going to play you more. Just being a plus in Ottawa is, within itself, something to write home about. Do you know why he's taken this jump? I can take a page out of TJ's book and tell you why. Do it. Because he's 23 years old. You think it's that that Dauber breakout threshold? Because he's 23 years old, and that's when it happens. That and three more minutes a game will help. So yeah, the 23-year-old thing, Ottawa is basically 23, right? Everybody who's good on Ottawa is young. So I think the whole team's just going to keep getting better and better, and he's going to be in the middle of it. Yeah, all around. I'm, my verdict is I'm 100% in on Batherson. If you're expecting a 96-point pace, that's rich for me, but but I think he's just a fucking great player. I'm there too. I think he's the real deal. The only red flag I see is his IPP at 82%. But to kind of combat that, you look at his primary points per 60. He's got 15 primary assists and four secondary assists. That accounts for 15 of 19 of his assists have been direct first pass, right? And then the scoring. He's creating on his own. So when you are the primary assister... The IPP obviously is going to be inflated because you were kind of responsible for that goal. You didn't pull the trigger, but you loaded the gun. I'm I'm there for Drake Batherson. Like I don't mind the 82% IPP when I see this much primary points going in. Uh, and the shooting percentage isn't even that wild. It's 14 and a half, 14.3 going into this year. And, and that's not far off of what he's been doing. That is his career average yeah. exactly, actually. So Exactly, exactly. So yeah, he's he's just doing what he does. So I'm I'm all in. He's shooting a ton more this year, 2.6 shots per game. You know, there's not much that I mean, obviously when your IPP is that high, your line is going to be shooting a little more lucky than normal and I think Batherson's on a shooting percentage is is one of those that's like pretty out there, but they've been doing it so much this season that it's um it's starting to feel sustainable just for a year. You know what I mean? Like unsustainable can happen for a whole year. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here at a certain point. Like the honest shooting percentage is 13%. That's high. That's really high. So the PDO obviously is getting uh, a bit of a boost, but I don't know. The, again, like you were saying, he, maybe he's not a 96 point guy. Maybe he's just point per game this year. 100% in on Drake Batherson. Yeah. Um, same, same Z's. All right, Zach, buddy, who do you got? I'm going to go with Chris Kreider. Okay. I'm going to go Chris Kreider here. And. I don't really see anything too crazy that tells me that he can't keep doing this for an entire season. Mainly, uh, I see a bunch of positives here. I see three-plus shots a game. I see a player who has never had a shooting percentage for an entire season in the single digits. His lowest was his rookie year, you know, 
10.5%. Now, yes, he is shooting a 19.3% this year, but he shot a 19.6 last year and a 15.4 the year before that. Why can't he continue that? Now, it might go down a little bit, but I see the line mates. I see him being on a ton of Mika Zibanejad's goals and Mika Zibanejad being on a ton of Chris Kreider goals. I love seeing that kind of stuff because he's getting access to the best player, if not, you know, either the second best or best player on that team. He also has more time on ice this year than any year previous in his entire career by over a minute, you know, almost a minute and a half here, extra time on ice. I don't really see anything too nuts that tells me that any of this is going to slow down. Even, you know, his his PDO isn't um, isn't too crazy. It's just over 100. His Corsi 4 is, you know, 55%, which it's not. So it's not like, oh, wow, you know, it's 65% that they're that they just happen to be controlling the puck. No, it's it's very average. So everything screams to me that he's doing just fine and he's going to continue. So if you haven't been on this train and he is available, he's definitely a guy to have. And, you know, I don't know if it's really it, he could be a really he could actually be a really good trade chip. I would say that I'll put it. OK, I'll put it this way. Actually, if you use him as a trade chip, I think he would be really perfect in a trade where everybody wins, where you might get an upgraded player. If you do like a two for one and maybe, you know, possibly get a keeper level player with Chris Kreider and another very good player where the other person is still getting those Kreider points but you're getting an upgraded player for the future. I have a uh, five-gallon bucket of ice-cold water for this one. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> so it's close to 60% of his goals are on the power play, where he is shooting 44%. Uh, the next closest shooting percentage on the power play is Mika Zibanejad at 15.3, 15.4. A huge amount of his production is coming off of the power play. I think his style of play kind of place into that though it's a great great style of play for for power play like he is the net front guy he he, you know he's down in there usually that's how he gets a bunch of his goals by doing the dirty shit so of course i would think it would be high yeah i'm not saying that he's not going to be i mean he's a 73 point pace right now what i don't like is how lucky he's getting on the power play and that's exactly what it is he is getting lucky uh, but again, this could happen for an entire year. Chris Kreider is probably going to bring you at least 70 points, not 70 points, 60 points for sure. Uh, the power play is clicking. New York is having a renaissance of a fucking year and it's going like really, really quietly too. So they're under the radar. Goals are tough to find, right? And he's all goals and hits. Take take a guess without looking, take a guess where he's ranked in our categories leagues right now by FHF standards. I don't know. To context clues tells me it's high. I'm going to guess top 25. It's so much higher than that. He's fifth. Really? Top 12. Oh my God. He is fifth in the categories leagues right now. The guy is like not assists, but hits, shots, power play points, and goals. He's like league leaders in. Yeah, two hits a game. He's like the anti Quinn Hughes, basically. He just doesn't get assists, but he gets everything else. He's fucking having an OV season. Okay. So he's he's on pace. He's already broken his career high in power play points. So, you know, throw some of this out the window, but he's on pace for 34 power play points. And right now he's sitting at 15 and that's a career high. Prior career high is 14 with 11 of which 11 of those being power play goals. Right now he's at 12 power play goals. We're not even halfway through the season. So, I mean, I do see some power play regression coming for Chris Kreider. Uh, 73 point pace right now. I got him closer to 60 end of season. So I do think there's going to be some growing pains the rest of the way. I think some regression. I but would I, hope for the over, especially because he's on my team and quite a few of them. <laughs> he's a top five player. I don't think he's ever had this good of an offensive team surrounding him. Like it, they are fucking crazy this year. And you throw uh, Adam Fox as the, the sole runner of the power play this year. It is a bit of a different team. So I don't think he's going to regress all the way back maybe, but I think it's, it's bound to come down from where it is. It's just 
fifth best. Yeah, I'm just trying to find patterns and make sense of it. Like, obviously, there's pattern breaking seasons. Yeah. And this could very well be one of them. But for him to go from 14 power play points as a career high to 34 would be a hell of an anomaly and add on 20 to his career high. I, I just, I don't know. It's hard to bet against, or it's hard to bet for, rather. So. I'm taking the under on 73. I'm taking the under on 70. I'll probably take the under on 65 for Chris Kreider end of season. Sell him. You might regret it. Like the regret factor could be pretty high because this could be the year. All right. I got uh, David Posternock, who I alluded to at the top of the show, that uh, you can pretty much cancel any worries that we had about him. He's looking sharp on that second line. What do you guys think about that new second line that they're rolling out there of Hall, Halla, and Pasta with Craig Smith on line one, like they scored a shit ton of goals tonight. Pasta on a bunch of them. Matt Grizzlick getting a bunch of points. A goal and four assists. I'm pretty sure he was listening to us. Yeah, Christ. Fucking guy. But I, I mean, what do you say? Like, so fuck these guys. Is that a rest of the season kind of move? Like, no. you know, the, the game where they moved him down, by the end of the game, they moved him back up. But then they went out in the next game and they put him on line two. So Pasta's really up and down, maybe getting double shifted. Who knows? But, you know, it's been great for Halla. It's been great for Hall. And and Pasta's not slowing down even a little bit. But if you look at anything before this little bit of a stretch for Pasta, and it basically tells you that he's been unlucky. And I know he had a really tough offseason. Um, he lost a child, which, you know, obviously is going to be weighing on his on his mind a little bit. And, and that probably is playing into it a lot, like, this has got to be a really tough season for Pasta here. Maybe he's just not getting lucky as far as like the shooting percentage and all that. Like that's where it is, the shooting percentage, on ice shooting percentage, IPP. And and now they moved him down to line two to try and get something going and it worked. I think I'd be buying low on Pasta without a doubt. Same way we see all these unsustainably high seasons, we could also see an unsustainably low season from somebody. But I'm betting against it. I think Pasternak's a point per game player. Easy above point per game yeah if you look at recent history he's he's totally back on track since um coming back from all those postponed games he's i mean his last three games is this game over this one's over now he finished with two goals and assist five shots last game he had seven shots previous game he had six shots so he seems to be back all right roger up buddy well oh whoa sound like a pirate this one's for zach uh jesper bratt Love Jesper Bratt. I know you do. I know you do. He's lovable. He's very lovable this year. He's just waiting over there, just waiting over there, (laughs) filling up that bucket of water. (laughs) Just icing it down. I I looked at the kind of the preseason rankings and the rankings in different leagues. And again, he's like preseason Yahoo had him at 321. um, So they weren't high on him. In uh, points leagues, in our points leagues, he's 82 overall and 110 in Cats leagues. He's had a a great start to the season, roughly point per game. He's got 32 points in 34 games. Jersey's gotten hot a couple of times, but it just, other than Jack Hughes, who I and I think a lot of people fully expected to break out, not to the degree has been, but other than that, it feels like a lot of guys are overperforming to me. So I would tread with caution for the rest of the rest of the way. Um, I like the guy. Uh, his time on ice is the same as last year. Power play time on ice is basically the same. So it, it's not like he's got a bunch of better deployment or anything like that. It's just the people around him seem to be playing better and it seems to be uh, helping him out. I mean, last year's point pace was was 53 points. Right now he's on a 77-point pace. So he is significantly better than his averages. Guys like this sketch me out. Like His, his shot percentage ranges from like 6.9 some years up to 15% other years. Right now he's at 10, so he's right in the middle of sort of his overall average. So it isn't that. It's not a crazy shooting percentage. I like him. I just worry about he's on New Jersey and they are playing better than they are, in my opinion. So trade him to Zach because you know you'll get a good return. I I, <laughs> I do like the guy, but I'm very skeptical about him being able to keep this up at a point per game. I, I think he's more of like a 60-point guy personally. Okay, go ahead, TJ. Say your two cents, and then I'll chime in afterwards. Secondary assists. He's got 22 assists. 12 of them are secondary. It's worrisome. It's not like, you know, 
sell, 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 but it's it's just worrisome. So what did you say his point pace was, 77? 77, yeah. His previous best was 53. It doesn't feel like, you know, the New Jersey Devils are scoring more than they should be in any manner of it. Like, they're still, you know, where, where are they at? They're middle. They're 18th in the league, right up there with the New York Rangers. So, I mean, they're they're probably overperforming as a whole a little bit. New Jersey is a whole. I just, I don't see a huge come down from him. You know, 70 points, I'd probably... I'd probably land right around there. My whole thing with Jesper Bratt, and and you can even account Jack Hughes into it, is the visuals. You know I'm all about in-game play. Jesper Bratt is just involved in everything. He is so just in your face on the ice. When Jesper Bratt is on the ice in a Devils game, you know it. He's involved in the play all the time, as is Jack Hughes. They're, they're playing a different sort of game between the two of them than they were last year and especially before uh, the year before that. He is just so involved with everything. And those are the players I like to pick up, especially for, you know, streams and, and you know, things that turn into, you know, holds as Jesper Bratt is now. It all comes down to how much are you involved in your team game? And Jesper Bratt is a huge part of it. And you can see it just by watching the games. And that's all you have to do. And then you can see exactly what I'm talking about. He's looked good. He's looked good. There's just there's the, that one red flag that I'm worried about. That's all. Cautiously optimistic. But I think you have to be cautious with him because it would it would not be surprising if he just went stone cold and the whole team just stopped doing everything good. It, it wouldn't be that surprising to me. So. I mean, it could happen. Yeah, it, it, that, it could. It could happen. I hope it doesn't, and I don't think it will, but it's definitely possible. Like, I'm not as confident in him as I am in, like, a Batherson or someone like that. True. I'll agree with that. I'll give you that. All right, Zach, who do you got next, bud? Um, I'm going to go with Evan Rodriguez next. Woo! I like him. Big breakout this year, man. Huge breakout. Huge breakout. And he just keeps on going with these multi-point games. And he had 22 and a half minutes time on ice last game. 21 plus minutes a couple games before that you want to talk about extra time on ice three and a half extra minutes time on ice this year shit is nuts the the shooting percentage isn't crazy or or out of this world the power play points are obviously higher for the sole fact of he's just getting more power play time they they as in the penguins have been surprising, I guess, to say the least, especially with all of their injuries and COVID problems and, well, especially injuries. And we keep on saying, and and I was the first person to say it of, you know, nice knowing you, Evan Rodriguez, when all these people come back, you know, you're going to, you're going to be an afterthought. And, and I, I, I'll keep on saying I was fucking wrong. I am sorry, Evan Rodriguez. Uh, you're you're good. Um, but Look at those shots increase too. Yeah. Now we'll see what happens when Malkin comes back and and all that jazz. But I mean, why in the world would you just you know turn him off and you know throw him to the uh, uh, to the bottom six? After he's had a, a breakout like this so far, at least see where it goes. I'm, I don't know. If if I'm Mike Sullivan, I'm still playing him. You know what I mean? And I'm not pushing him to the bottom six. That's it's going to be tough. You're right. Like a lot of things are going to change. Albeit, not a ton of his production has come or relied on that power play at least. So maybe there's a little dip, but I think he's still going to be a stud. No, he just has more. Yeah, it would just be more points, right? So. That's not bad. And in terms of his shot rates, like he is, he's coming out there. Um, I think it was like 11.6 is his shots per 60 this year, which has just been insane uh, as a like growth as a player. Like not only did he get more time on ice, but his shot rate also went up, which is fantastic to see. You got my vote of confidence there. Like uh, where, where does he rank in the NHL? Let's see. Go ahead, Raj. I was just going to say, I mean, like, he has improved. If you just look numbers wise, he's improved. Like it looks pretty drastic. 
Um, I mean, three minutes, three and a half minutes time on ice will do that for you. But it's also like the last two years since he's been in Pittsburgh has been just bullshit for anybody trying to figure anything out and uh, and all that. And before that, he was in Buffalo. So this is his, he's been in the league for like six years, but it's his first real shot at playing proper hockey right now. So it's not as crazy as it might look if you like, if you were just looking at numbers and didn't watch hockey or anything. I think his progression seems to actually kind of make sense. What's shocking to me is it hasn't mattered. Like Pittsburgh's been a gong show and it doesn't matter if Crosby's there, Gensel's out, Malkin's out, Rust is in and out. He's been pretty steady and and given the time on ice and the proper deployment and uh, do they have two power plays now? And can you tell me one time, like one period of time where all of power play one was healthy? Exactly. So it's not like when Malkin comes back, like injuries are just done for the whole team. You know what I mean? So somebody's going to get hurt. It's going to open up a spot for who right now is Evan Rodriguez. I looked it up. He's uh, he is two spots behind Nathan McKinnon for shots per 60. And Nathan McKinnon is 25th in the league. Four or five times a yeah. game right now. Rodriguez is 27th. He's ahead of Svechnikov, Barkov. You know, Craig Smith, who we've heralded as like a shot machine before. So he's shooting and, you know, there's not a ton of other red flags that are sticking out to me. So I'm here for Evan Rodriguez. I do think there's going to be a little dip because it just feels logical Mm -hmm. to have him on power play too. when, you know, if and when at this point uh, you get a full, healthy top power play. But uh, I'm in Evan Rodriguez pick of the year, pick up of the year. Maybe Timo Meyer, because I think he was like 25% at the beginning of the year. Yeah, he's so good. And he hits too, actually. He's a, butt. He's a hit per game kind of guy, so you got you to gotta like that as well. All right, I got Tyson Berry, and it's, it's bad news here, boys. Berry is missing a ton of assists from last year. He was on pace for 58 assists last year. This year, he's on pace for less points than he had assists last year. And it's worth noting that Berry last year was riding a pretty unsustainable secondary assist rate. Again, I'm bringing that up. Uh, But, you know, defense, you can kind of rely on them for more secondary assists, but it's just, it's crazy. And you would expect more than a half point per game from a power play quarterback on that power play. And it's, it's super frustrating. He's got a decrease in IPP, power play IPP. There should be positive regression there, but you got Evan Bouchard, our boy, breathing down his neck, man. So I don't know. I'm wary to, to buy on him and bet on, a bounce back of somewhat like if he's cheap to buy sure go for it but i'm talking like cheap i'm not actively seeking him out at this point and i'd probably be pretty receptive i'm a i'm a tyson berry owner in a couple leagues i'd probably be pretty receptive to trade offers at this point you know i, I don't think he's going to have a big enough of a bounce back for barry to have stats that that are going to wow you over come the end of the year but for me you know i'm praying for 50 points at this rate i don't think he's he's you know, 70 points was way too, way too nice last year. He's still shooting, though. And Edmonton, they're having all sorts of trouble, too. He is, though. He's still shooting. I, I at least like to see that. Yeah. I mean, the, when they dry up, I'll be extremely worried. But, you know, two shots a game is not too bad. 2.6 last year. So there has been a decrease in that department. He's still shooting, though, like you're saying. But last year, 23 power play points in 56 games. That's a 41 power play point pace. Now he's got nine in 33 so it's a little bit worse i'm turning my sights to evan bouchard at this point and you know what it's not it's not just because the big boys have gone cold either even when the big boys were flying barry was do- barry was doing nothing even when they were three points a game or whatever they're doing for a while there yeah barry's barry's uh it's tough, but you know he is—he is the absolute candidate for one of those guys who you drop, and then he does get forty power play points, rest of the season. <laughs> hate that for me. I hate that for me. Anyway, uh, who do you got, Raj? Uh, well, you alluded to him as possibly the other best pickup of the year, Timo Meyer. Sick. Uh, fucking crazy. I'm loving him this year. Ugh. Yahoo preseason, he was ranked 225th points leagues. He's 23rd categories leagues. He's 12th money categories leagues. He is 12th overall. So I know Zach kind of hates everyone on San Jose, not named Balsers, but or Dolan. <laughs> yeah, I do like I do like Jonathan Dolan. 
38 points in 31 games, which is crazy. 101-point pace for an 82-game season. What's even crazier to me, he only has four power play points. Look at those shots, dude. Yeah. Over four a game. Four shots a game. Right there. I'm fucking sold. Like, imagine if, I don't know how it would happen, but imagine if San Jose's power play started to click. Because he's doing all this with four power play points total this year. I have a pretty vivid imagination, and that's hard to imagine. (laughs) It is. San Jose is pretty much, you know, come back down to earth. They came out of the gates super hot, like blew everybody's mind. But now they're, they're back down to a regular crappy team. That one line, it's just that one line in San Jose is just just absolutely clicking. Meyer, Couture, and Hurdle. But I, I, it's obviously not because of those other guys. Uh, I think there's been a lot of rumors. Those are the guys you want. Yeah, Hurdle's been rumored to be on the way out, but it's not like that's going to affect Meyer's life that much, I don't think. I doubt a 100-point pace is, is the rest of season pace. I hate to bet the under, but it just makes sense. That's just as much as I, I would love that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'd give him point per game rest of the way without too much worry on that. Uh, he Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tap on that. Hits like a motherfucker over two a game, shoots four times a game. His shooting percentage is only at ten and a half, so he's not, it's not uh, freakish that way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sold if, if you have him. You are happy. You're probably winning categories leagues just because of him. I don't see too many signs that he's going to like regress other than just the fact that he's on a 100-point pace, which is it is crazy. The only thing I would say, and just so that I could say something slightly controversial, is if somebody does see him as a 100-point player, trade him. Yeah, maybe. I'm not selling. No. I'm not selling. No. The I'll- shots are, my God. I would only sell if there's somebody who's like, you know, super low on a pasta or someone like that, right? But uh, the top five in shots per 60 this year has, there's never been like a more TJ top five right here Coleman, Pacioretty, Meyer, Kasha, and Sam Bennett. <laughs> like that right there. <laughs> like, how do you think I pick my guys? I just sort by <laughs> shots per 60. That's it. Look, he is an over four game. Oh, my God. Yeah, 12.82 per 60, which is nuts. And Coleman's at 14. My God, that 12-shot game really helped. I'm all in for Timo Meyer. Like, I love this season for him. They're scoring so much more while he's on the ice. And a lot of it's due to him being him this year. So I think he's creating a ton. I do think the Sharks... That line specifically takes a bit of a hit. So, again, we're betting the under on 100 points here. Uh, But point per game seems really comfortable. I might even flirt with like 85, pushing 90. But that does mean he's going to slow down the rest of the season if he he hits those projections. But even that, like where did we draft him? Like 10th round or some shit? Like I forget by now, but he has been – you either picked him up off the waiver early and never let go or – He's been probably your best draft pick if he's on your team. Yeah, I'm 100% confident. Love this dude. 100% confident he will at least be really, 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 really good for the rest of the year. And Not that he seems to ever not score this year, but even if he doesn't score, peripherals. Like, he's just one of the best all-around players in, in fantasy, the way he's playing right now. Whose turn? Zach or me? I forget. All right, Mark Shifley. Turned it up. Something fierce in the last 10 games. Hey, you said it right. Good job. Mark Shifley. Yeah. Said it right. Um, which coincidentally coincides with, uh, I think that might have been redundant, but whatever. It <laughs> coincides with Blake Wheeler going out. So I'm putting it on Wheeler here. Like Shifley, as soon as he started playing with the Ehlers and Stasny, man, I think he's got like, I don't know, 14 points in his last 10 games or some shit. Like, he has really, really turned it on. Six points in his last four. He's starting to self-correct. Like the course, we we bet on Shifley. We've been talking about him, you know, for years now as being the most reliable fantasy player that there is. And, you know, this year with its ups and downs, maybe the reliability goes out the window. But at the end of the year, he's still probably going to fall right in point per game. He's four points off of point per game right now. Mm-hmm. And if we were talking a week ago, things were a bit scarier. If we were talking two weeks ago, you know, you were thinking about 
getting rid of Mark Shifley, whether it be by trade or what have you. IPP is the killer here. He's not getting on the same amount of points that he used to. And, you know, things are starting to swing the other way. Everything's pretty steady here. And for what we've what we've said about him, like he's he's starting to really turn it around. As long as Wheeler is not on his wing, Shifley should be having a pretty good go. I'm going to go ahead and predict 84-point pace for him just because it's the safest bet in all of sports, essentially. He's going to have one hot streak and bring him right back to point per game when it's all said and done. That's his thing. Knowing Shifley. But Winnipeg as a whole, like what is good about Winnipeg has changed in the last couple of years, right? You've got some of the younger guys starting to get great, and uh, the older, well, Blake Wheeler sucks. All right, Zach, who do you got, man? Alabama scoring a touchdown. Uh, whatever. Fucking football. I'm going to go with Robin Leonard. Uh, and people are kind of down on Robin Leonard this year, uh, from what I'm to understand. Uh, and I am down to trade for him. In fact, um, somebody can trade me Robin Leonard for my Elvis Merzlikens, and I will take it happily. Do I think that he is going to bounce back? Yes, I do. And that's because I think that, you know, Vegas is going to bounce back. I think Vegas is a good team. His quality start percentage is way down, the lowest it's been since, well, almost ever. But he, you know, he's just not having the best year because he doesn't have the same team in front of him. They've had a lot of injury problems. They've had a lot of COVID-19 problems. Just like, what the fuck happened? The whole thing is, I mean, as far as I see it, he really doesn't have anyone behind him right now. Lauren Passois has not played all that well while he has been thrown into the net. And, you know, I, I think it's just the fact of they've had so many up and downs with, with injuries this year. Like, they don't have that um, stalwart at defense, I would say. And they're not a defensively sound, you know, offensive group either. They are high on offense, you know what I mean? You throw a March or so in there and a Mark Stone and Patch Reddy when he's playing and everything like that. But that's about it. They're they're not really known for their defense in the first place. They're not good. They're not good yeah. defensively at all. Outside of Stone. The way I see it is he's kind of just getting the shit end of the stick. That's kind of my personal opinion. But I mean, as far as like power play and penalty kill. They're pretty much middle of the road. It's not like they're good or bad or anything like that on on the power play or penalty kill either. But they're just not a defensive team, and I think he's getting the raw end of the stick. I do. Yep, Money Puck has Vegas as the second worst team in terms of expected goals against. Evolving Hockey has them as the seventh. We need to get rid of the idea that we think Vegas is a good defensive team. They're a good team. But they're not a good defensive team. And I think what a lot of us were were hoping for was like, you know, 35, 40 wins with a 920. To be honest, like Leonard is playing around where he should be. The volume is all we were hoping for. And he's on pace for 56 starts, the highest since 2016. Uh, his 32 wins that he's on pace for right now would be his best, like career best. But he's got the, what, 906, 292? It's not terrible, but it's not like top five goalie stats that we were hoping for going into the season. So, you know, I kind of think that Leonard Leonard's playing better than he should be. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say it. He is playing better than he should be. He's uh, he's ahead of where he is. I think a goal saved above expected. And he's like kind of on par with where he is goal saved above average. So he honestly is not getting help defensively and he's playing better. But it's just not enough. I, I don't. I don't know what more to say. Is like uh, he should be standing on his head more. Like obviously, there's been some bad games in there. You were talking about the quality start ratio, Zach, and that's tough to swallow. But he's still going to get the wins. He's still going to get the volume. That's the biggest narrative that everybody was pushing into the season. Is that okay? Who's going to take starts from him? Brossois? No. So to be honest, like you know, any any help that he could get in save percentage wise i think alec martinez coming back is going to be huge first of all but i don't think he's going to be a 920 guy like maybe he's just better suited for a tandem role and that's when those big big numbers were coming through is is when he was in uh long island on long island i should say but i know he did well in chicago too and they're not known for their defense but maybe it's just a specifically hard year for him 
he was just he was just on something on another level. So again, he's he saved more than expected relative to how his team is playing. Yeah, he's people are really down on him. Uh, some people are, but he's he's been fine, and people uh, Vegas is fine. They're one point out of first in the West. I mean, they're they're, they're winning games. They have played the most games. Other than when you get into the absolute garbage teams, they've let in far more goals than anybody else. But what's crazy is they still have one of the best goal differentials because of Pacioretty, essentially. <laughs> it's been a fucking monster. Yeah, They've been outscoring their problems. So I think, like you said there, Alec Martinez is going to help them quite a bit. And just maybe if they can get a fucking lineup together for a while would help a goalie a lot in I a think little continuity would go a big way mm-hmm. it's hard to have a defensive system when it's different people playing all the time and you don't get practice time this year but if anything i think the wins are going to continue and if anything get better and a save percentage if anything will get better because it's, it's not great it's not terrible but it's not great i think that might come up a little and the goals against might come down uh, a bit but yeah, like you said, I mean, he's he's not playing that bad. He's kind of playing in the zone. Could be a little bit better, and the wins are going to be great. Shout out Zach Whitecloud, who's been quietly pretty good this year. I mean, it's only a thirty-five point pace, but he's been he's been a stream. He's been a stream. So shout out. I think I got the last one here, and it's Kevin Fiala, who is notoriously a second half performer. Over the last two seasons, Fiala has started slow, then blasted the fuck off. Just Nonstop. Uh, last year, he had three points in his first nine games. Then he had nine and 17. And he had 14 in 25 of his first half games. Then he went on to have 26 points in his final 25 games. That's the second half player, if you ask me. The year before that, it was much different. He only went, uh, what is it, eight games. And then he went off just like close to point per game the rest of the way. He had one point in his first eight games. Then he had 53 points in his final 56 games. This year, it's 5-11, and 11, 14 and 20 games, and then 21 and 31 games all day so far this year. He's got a low shooting percentage. His shots are some of the best in the league as well. Like That's something we always like from, from Kevin Fiala. Um, the, you know, the power play percentage needs some work. His time on ice is pretty good. He is top 25 in shots, just pure volume this year. His shots per 60, I'm looking for him. He's 43. So right around like Brad Marchand, Tanner Pearson, Matty Kachuk, Rupi Hintz, uh, Philip Deneau actually shooting a fuck ton here. But, uh, you know, the the criminally low shooting percentage is what's holding him back. And I think Kevin Fiala, once he starts like getting that time on ice, getting that steady deployment, I was really hoping him and Rossi would stick. But Rossi got sent back down to the taxi squad or Iowa, I forget. So he's playing for Ottawa, but uh, or not yeah. Ottawa, Iowa. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, um, yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, like I, I always will bet on Kevin Fiala in the second half. So go ahead and buy low if you can. Uh, worst case scenario, you get what we have so far. Average, according to expectations, like Fiala is not somebody that I'm betting on as like a 75 plus point player. But right now he's right floating right around 60 points. And I've kind of thought of him as a 65 point guy. So I, I'm, I am betting on the over on his 57 point pace right now. And it, it'll all come in large with, with the second half that I, you know, fingers crossed happens. It has happened every year since he's been in Minnesota. So, again, fingers crossed. That's where I'm at with Fiala. If you get him for the right 20 games, he's an incredible get. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there's always a 20-game section where he crushes it towards the end of the season. So if you can sneak him in there, that's that's excellent. Well done, boys. That is our second half best bets, breakouts, busts, and bounce backs. All the Bs. Uh, Hope you dig it. And if you did, leave us a review. Now you can review us on Spotify. Did you know that? You can leave stars on Spotify. So go ahead and do that. I don't think you can write words on Spotify yet. But yeah, if you're digging the show, leave a review. If you uh, if you want to give us a follow on the socials, we are at FHF Hockey on Twitter. And you can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord where there is a ton happening pretty much at all times. So find us there. Find us on Twitter. And until next time, you guys can find us on Thursday for the weekend preview. We love yous. Love you. Love yous.
Nuggets.